Used to keep it cool, used to be a fool All about the bounce in my step Watch it on the news, what you gonna do? I could hit refresh and forget Used to keep it cool Hey Todd, you ever heard of the song Summer Wind? Uh, I've heard Summer Breeze makes me feel fine Going through the jasmine in my mind But you've never heard the like the Frank Sinatra The Summer Wind I probably have. Okay, well, it came out in 1965, and it was originally called Der Sommerwind. Oh, yeah. And it was written by a German named Heinz Meyer. And I'm thinking of Summer Wind today because it feels so summery mm-hmm. outside. Psych! No, it doesn't. It is chilly. It's been kind of rainy. The weather has been great. We haven't cracked 80 degrees. And I'm okay with that. You want to know why? Because I'm Peter Odney, and you're Todd Hauk, and we're here with a special mid-spring episode of Her Ice. Hey, just in case you're wondering, it's 61 degrees here we are as uh, mid-May as we're getting closer to the Memorial Weekend. But hey, we like to welcome you to Her Ice. Uh, This is our 16th episode, but it's our first time we've done the summer-spring edition without get caught up. We've missed each other for so long, me and Peter. Dun, 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 um, we like dun. this. gives us a chance to kind of talk about what's going on. We know high school is not going on, but there's actually a lot of stuff that we that's happening since the last time we chatted with you. Uh, and at the same time, uh, with those are issues we're going to talk about, the college game, the pro game, anything that deals with hockey, um, even athletics. We're going to have a little little uh, fogging, defogging situation as we come up later on. Uh, but here we are, Studio 1A in the cloudy skies of Bloomington, Minnesota. Uh, one of our big sponsors, which is a new sponsor of YJH and with our podcast, is Wicked Rags. Wicked. So Wicked Rags, you're wondering, what's Wicked Rags? Well, I want to make sure that you check out Wicked, uh, Wicked Dash, or hyphen, however, whatever you go, <laughs> uh, rags.com. It's a great thing. It's kind of a sock jock. It's kind of a combination of the protective shorts and the socks, all one piece. Slip it on. It's going to cut five to six minutes off. You're getting ready time. Bantams, you're probably going, well, do I need it? But on the little kids, you're trying to get, cut your time down. So definitely a cool. It's nice and lightweight. Uh, moisture wicking. So definitely check out Wicked Rags uh, for a new opportunity to speed up your game as well as you're getting ready uh, for your little squirts. So, and stop wasting money on tape. Yeah, it'll save on your sock tape. No more clear tape. Yeah, easily. But, hey, we're going to jump right into our, our, our uh, podcast. Is uh, Again, it's not about his ice. It's about her ice. Uh, we're going to jump into a little bit of high school. We don't need to go back and back. We promise it won't be as disappointing as the last episode of Game of Thrones. No. For some of us, I'm one of the few people that didn't see one lick of it, but that's okay. I don't have HBO. So, <laughs> But the funny thing about it, I watched somebody put it up on Twitter yesterday, and it said one second of every episode of – the Game of Thrones, I sat there and watched a minute and a half, and I was like, oh, I'm all caught up. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all done. I don't think you missed anything. But uh, I think the big piece we're going to talk about, we're going to start right away with our high school uh, section of the podcast, is talk about what we like to call the committal rush. Yeah. So if you guys are familiar out there, uh, the NCAA kind of changed a couple rules of when uh, student-athletes could commit to a D1 or Division One college in a, in a hockey other sports as well, but obviously we're going to focus more on the hockey piece. Uh, but there was a little bit of a rush because I believe that ruling went in effect as of uh, May 1st. So there was a little bit of a rush toward the end of uh, April where a lot of uh, Minnesota kids were jumping on board to uh, to commit themselves. And obviously with that committal, there was a, it's a two-way street. 
they say yes, the college wants them. So, um, but again, we're not here as uh, other people have kind of jumped on there and said, oh, I can't believe they're committing so early. <laughs> Um, as eighth and ninth graders, they're going to change so much. Like, well, we're aware of that. I can't believe you're jumping into a family and player's personal situation and deciding that you know best for said family and said player. Very true. So, Twitter warriors. But we're going to jump out there. We're just talk about a couple girls that uh, that are uh, prominent names or not prominent names. We want to give them a little love because the offseason, these girls don't get noticed at all because um, obviously we're way past our uh, national intent for upcoming juniors and seniors. But um, now we're talking about some eighth graders. So. Uh, Peter, you want to jump into your yeah. answer? We got Ellie Kleppinger, Kleppinger or Jur from Breck. These are this is the there are four eighth graders who made their verbal commit. So there's Kleppinger, Marin Friday of Duluth, Marshall Kennedy Little of Andover, and Ava Lindsay of Breck. Lindsay and Kleppinger uh, both committed to Minnesota. Friday to Union and Little to Maine. On the ninth grade side, Lily Ramirez from South St. Paul commits to Mankato. Chloe Finnerty from uh, North Wright County to Minnesota Duluth and Kristen Kaufman from Hill Murray also to Minnesota. So a total of seven uh, eighth and ninth graders verbally committing keyword verbally to their respective colleges. Verbally. And again, we're not on this side. We're going, oh my gosh, that's crazy. But uh, from a news perspective, we want to let you know about. It's still news. newsworthy. It's newsworthy. We're not here saying we're big thumbs up or big thumbs down. It's. I'm a big thumbs up. Uh, not a big fan of, and I, I like the newer legislation that's kind of pushed uh, these girls to not push them into committing. But, I mean, obviously after May 1st, you're going to see a lot less of the youngers, which, you know, there's so much to change between 8th and ninth grade and, say, when you're 16 or 15 where uh, programs change or your program change. And so um, – but I really don't know if a ton will change, though. I think it'll just be quieter. No, what I'm saying, <laughs> what, what I'm saying is the, on the change part is um, just that big change between, say, if you have a daughter or if you're a, a gal who is in eighth grade, and then all of a sudden now you're 11th grade. So we're talking three years of maturity. You're talking skill development. Uh, you might change your direction. What happens if you thought the, sh- the light was so bright right where I'm at with this program, and all of a sudden – Two years down the road, there's coaching, a coaching change. change. Maybe you have a tight connection with um, a, a coach that you have known through your whole youth. Or the program folds. Or the program folds. <laughs> Looking at you, North Dakota. And they have to, yeah. So um, there's a lot of things that can change. And so um, I, I'm actually a, a, a fan of the change with the, the policies and getting them older commitments, if it can, older uh, gals making that commitment as opposed to being, you know, 14, 13 years old saying, yep, I'm going to go to the University of Minnesota. Great. So, you verbally told me, but I don't. I don't know if I'm a fan either way. But I will say that I don't think this will eliminate early recruiting at all. I think it'll just be kept uh, more quiet and more under wraps. Maybe we won't get the Twitter announcement True. until you know June 15th of sophomore year. I don't, yep. There, there are people since the inception of the NCAA. There have been people who have worked to undermine it and to commit players earlier and earlier. So I don't think that's going to stop at all nor do i think that it should i think it's up to the personal player and their family what's what's best for their situation and i don't appreciate uh the twitter hordes shaming players and families for making a decision that they feel is best for them what i do like is when it does come to that time for the national letter of intention to be signed uh i love it when and i don't care if you are track swimming hockey lacrosse when the school makes a big deal about it, no bigger how big the school is or how small the school is, it is we have got a nice table. Kids have got their sweatshirts on. They got that pen. They they take pride in their kids' 
at that school. They have been through their program. They're now getting the opportunity to go on to further their academic as well as their athletic adventures. So I love when schools say, you know what, we'll recognize, you know, Susie Q. She's going to go play lacrosse at Quinnipiac. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Sign that letter right today. That's official that you are bettering yourself. And that's the event that should draw thousands of retweets and thousands of likes yes. because a verbal commitment True. doesn't mean anything for the school or for the player. The national letter of intent is the defining moment and the official start of that relationship between school and player. It's so true. So Gosh, true. it's really high up here on my soapbox. No, and that's okay. That's what we're here for because you can't hear that anyplace else. I can't find another podcast or opportunity to chat about it. So, And there's just two guys who like hockey, and we're chatting about our thoughts. And have some time on our hands this afternoon. We have a little bit. No, um, <laughs> a little bit of lull, but we got busy things coming up. Um, so let's stay on the high school side. We're going to jump back into that, that ruling a little bit later on. We have our college piece. But let's uh, we're going to jump stay with our high school piece. And we're going to talk next about sectional changes. There's some. I'm going to get back on my soapbox. Yes. Uh, so step down, uh, take a drink of water, <laughs> and then uh, now we're going to talk about some sexual changes which are going to be either monstrous or they're going to be like, eh, Horrendous. That's all right. And then horrendous. Got, uh, then Terrible. Horrendous. So we're going to chat about those real quick. Uh, so let's start with, uh, I'm going to ramble a little bit, and then Peter's going to jump in when he wants to uh, step up on his <laughs> soapbox or he wants to step on top of the building and scream like Titanic. Uh, so first of all, uh, Alexander is going to be changing from Section 6 to Section 8. Uh, Alexander Cooper is going to be changed from six to five, which is Armstrong six. Cooper. Armstrong Cooper. What did I say? Alexandria Cooper. Did I say Alexander? Yeah. What's well, a super co-op? <laughs> you <laughs> want some of my? You want some of my coffee? We can. Days. You can jumpstart. Um, so Al, uh, Armstrong Cooper in the Robinson neighborhood. There you I'm go. Changing from section six to section uh, district five, which is so much better for them. Like six is tremendously difficult and. That's usually that's where your powerhouse come from. That's usually where your state championships coming from. Um, so that's a good move for them to get more of a competitive uh, piece for them. Some people may argue and say like, "Oh, they just want to get there, so they have a chance to get to state." They still don't have a chance to go well, to state. Still, you have a better chance no for five than you do for six. But five is st- still going to be tough as it is. Um, East Ridge does make a change. They switch from the southern district of District Three, which is going all the way from uh, uh, goes all the way from Prior Lake all the way you know through Eastview and Egan. Uh, and they're jumping over to Section 4, which is kind of more, I think, the St. Paul side of the world there, Saint, South St. Paul. It'll add a little la- 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 a layer of competition to 4 AA. Yes. Oh, I sure. think that White Bear is going to experience a little bit of a drop-off mm-hmm. after these uh, this trio of Division One commits graduates. So it'll give Hill Murray a little, uh, little extra competition, which will be nice. And the next one I'm going to speak about is one I am a big fan of, is Lakeville North going from Section 1 to Section 3. See, I don't understand that one at all. Well, and literally, you could every year, whether it's boys or girls, you go, who's going to come out of that? Who's going to come out of the section and go to state? It's a Lakeville. It's a Lakeville team. There's it's, nobody in that section as that of can compete. As of right now, though, I still think it's going to be Lakeville. I think they just opened the door for Lakeville South with that big association and numbers to choose from. I think they just opened the door for them to they can. maybe not run roughshod, but they've eliminated one of the roadblocks. I think they've kind of challenged themselves a little bit, and they're also competing with like schools as opposed to, and I'm sure from a perspective of geography-wise, it makes more sense for them to compete against. And I'm not talking um, conference-wise. This is just a section-wise. But, I mean, if they're, if they're going to go against Egan's and Eastview's and Prior Lakes and Shakopee's and Farmington's, who they play other conferences and other, other schools, uh, other sports, I think it's a good move for them to, to move up to three, which is a little more challenging than one. Which it is feels either. like they're chopping up that South Suburban Conference, which is nice. Yes, I agree with that. 
Uh, the big one that, that – uh, not the big one, but Minnehaha changed it from six to four. It's another one for good move for Minnehaha getting out of that crazy six, getting more competitive four for themselves. I would like to retract a previous statement. I forgot about Farmington in one AA. Farmington Tigers, I apologize. There. Farmington has now been – So it will be Farmington and Lakeville South instead of Farmington and Lakeville North. Exactly. Um, uh I'm gonna leave the last for the big, the biggest for last. Where North, uh, North St. Paul Tartan, they're switching. Uh, they're actually switching classes. We're not gonna worry about that one. Uh, North Wright County is switching from. They're switching to seven. Uh, St. Francis North Branch is switching from seven to five, uh, and those are the ones that are the change. But the big one that's on the map, that's the elephant in the room, is Minnetonka going from section two to section six. Soapbox go. This has got to be the dumbest elephant in the room that maybe I've ever seen. You have good memories, I know. Don't I don't know. Have good memories. Okay, what's what was the worst outcome for the state of Minnesota? The North Stars leaving or Minnetonka moving into Section Six? Wow, um, I cried when Met Center was uh, destroyed. Okay, uh, I was extremely mad at Norm Green at that time. I was going through a tough time, you know, changes, transition in my life, but they needed that to be added to it. <laughs> um, I was very mad at Norm Green. I was part of the guys that made Norm Green suck signs. Okay. Norm sucks. I was part of that. Honestly, I think I'm more upset at the fact that Minnetonka is joining Section 6. Tell us. This Why? Because now that there there's five teams that are perennial top 15s in the state in one section, so you've effectively eliminated uh, four teams that have a legitimate chance at a state tournament. Let's look at Section 6 for a second. Edina, Blake, they rotate between one and two the entire year. Wyzetta was in the top five all season. Benilde St. Margaret's, a really good young team that could become a power in the next couple of years. Yep. And Minnetonka that went to a state tournament. And Creighton Durham Hall, which is maybe a year removed from being a perennial top ten contender. You are watering down the state tournament pool horribly. And you look at Section 7, which is the other section which could have its own state tournament with North Wright County and Andover and Elk River and Grand Rapids and Forest Lake. So if you combined Section 6 and Section 7, you could have your own state tournament. Yep. That's like, that'd be the AAA. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if, you, if your goal is to water down the Class 2A state tournament and to eliminate half the viewer, the casual viewership, then you've accomplished your goal, State High School League. So uh, I wish there was somebody that was here that can explain exactly why that piece of it. I'm looking for the geography part of it. Yeah. Because And those two are always so back and forth. And even though I've, I've raised my kids and I've raised my family in this area, two and six or so, which one is geographically closer, which one's inside the belt line, which one's outside the belt line, because it, it interchanges every other year. There's always one or two teams that will switch from two to six, six to two. It's so confusing. We grew up six because District 6 is the district that our youth – kids all playing is basically the southwest corner of the of the cities and now with high school it just kind of goes back and forth who's in two who's in six benil's now in it benil's far north of anybody else <laughs> yet they're they're in there so you know who does benefit from this move though it's holy family oh gosh yes. in two double a holy family went 16 7 and 3 last year with 15 underclassmen on their roster i'm assuming all 15 are coming back why would you not why would you not so it's it could come down to Eden Prairie and Holy Family for the foreseeable future with Chaska Chan maybe sneaking in there. But The big piece is going to be, I think, the, the, to put one last cap on this guy is, you know, is how much of a difference is it between, like, the girls and the boys, where it's just the girls are going to make the switch or the boys are yeah. going to stay put or the boys girls are like, hey, let's both make that jump shit where we're jumping from two to six or five to four. I mean, the, 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 the five to four makes totally sense or six to five, that totally makes sense. 
but are they doing it both as one to th- one to three? Doesn't make any sense though. Well, again, I think that I think Lakeville just trying to look for a better competition because again, in Section One, uh, besides Farmington and Lakeville, uh, you're probably looking at Rochester. Maybe. And that's it. Yeah, I so, mean, uh, I'm I'm looking at which the is bracket. The old, the old Section One when I grew up as a kid, and I'm, I'm gonna throw it back a little bit. <laughs> If you got through the Big Nine, so I grew up in Austin, so it was you had to get past Rochester, and if you get past Rochester, then you got to the section finals or seven. Guess who you had to play? Either had to play Burnsville or Apple Valley, and those well, they two definitely always kicked your butt anymore. in any particular sport. Well, I don't care football, hockey doesn't make a difference. Those two always kicked your butt every time. So section one, if you're five hundred seven team, you had no chance. But it'll be an interesting year for section one. Speaking of changes. Let's talk about a few programs which are moving Changes. up or moving down. Obviously, a lot of it has to do with uh, program numbers and strength of schedule and strength of um, success, if I can say that. Fair. Um, so one that jumps right away is going to be that North St. Paul Tartan squad. They're going to be moving from uh, 4AA to 4AA. Uh, maybe the co-ops obviously helped out with that. So um, I know North St. Paul is not the perennial dom- dominant program they were back when they were with Roseville and they were the two teams that nobody could beat, or South St. Paul was in that same category, but SSP is on the way back, but unfortunately uh, the numbers aren't there on the north side. So, But Tartan's a good squad, I mean, especially on the boys' side, so that's a good mix. But moving down, it's going to help them. Uh, St. Francis North Branch is moving from 7AA to 5 single A. So, again, their numbers are there where they probably have to go down, be more competitive. That makes sense geographically. Uh, a couple ups we want to talk about. Well, uh, let's talk about Alexander, for example. We talked about how good they are. They're moving from 6A to 8AA. So that's they're getting bigger and bigger. Uh, Armstrong Cooper went from not only they changed sections, but they also changed uh, classification, going to a single A. Uh, and then the two big ones that moved up that caught my eye. One was Wakona Cotter, which was not existent last year. Is now going to be one single A. So kudos to them getting on the board and, and having a program. And then a team that started last year, they've always been combined with Holy Family. Uh, Wakona had their first all by themselves hockey program in the women's side. And now they're going to be moving up to the double-A. So get out Minnetonka and walk them in Waconia. So they didn't have a great season, but I think they won maybe one or two. But, again, two you're moving progress. Um, that town is the, – the enrollment must be going up. And the reason I say that is because I have a good friend that uh, is from Waconia, born and raised, raised his kids there, and his son played lacrosse there this year. Never had lacrosse before at a varsity hmm. level. So that was – up and coming for the Waconia program and the school itself. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, they've t- had kind of a rough go of it since splitting from Holy Family. So true, but you got to start off someplace. So um, <laughs> starting. A, speaking of starting someplace, I love these segues. Uh, we got a few coaches we want to talk about since the last time we spoke to you at the end of the uh, state tournament with Edina and Breck winning the championships. We've had a few coaching changes with some big perennial programs in. The metropolitan area. Hell yeah. That went from a good youth coach is now taking the reins. You get that? At Stillwater. (laughs) You with me in this one? I am. It's probably not your order you have them, but I'm going with that one. I got Mira Yaluso going to Stillwater. Mira might be one of the most enthusiastic coaches I've ever met. I I think you'd be you would be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't enjoy spending more time in the rink than Mira. It's a nice hire for for Stillwater, someone who's committed to growing the girls' game, love seeing a female head coach being hired for a girls' program. Heck yeah, and she's now easy to her schedule, going from helping out and running the Ice Cougars program and being a 12A coach 
for Stillwater and then being an assistant with Hamlin, also helping out with the Whitecaps. It's like, hey, how about you just have one little basket? I don't think she could. I don't think she can have one little basket. Will, but She's got helps. too much energy. It's helping with a smaller amount of baskets sold, but. We'll, we'll figure it out. She will. So Tracy Cassano moving on from Burnsville to Minnetonka, taking over for Eric Johnson, who resigned to spend more time with his family. Can't knock him for that. Kudos. Uh, we'll see what happens in Minnetonka. It's a strong youth program. they got a really, really good 15A team. We'll see how the coaching change. The 15A squad is unreal. Affects any of those. Cassano had a nice year with, uh, with Burnsville. I don't think we have any idea who's going to take over. For Cassano at Burnsville. That would be the opening. We were looking through it because there was a tweet that came through actually today when we were going through a production meeting. Uh, There was a a quick tweet that went out, talked about all the open boys spots, uh, head coaching spots. Obviously, uh, Lakeville North is the one that jumps at your mind right away since Eidner went over to STA. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there needs to be something out there to say, what are the big open seats? As I'm sitting here Googling it. On the girl side. Google might not be worth it. while he's Googling, I'll quick talk to you about a, yeah, I didn't uh, find a perennial powerhouse that's going to get uh, a really good addition, and that's going to be uh, Wyzetta uh, getting the Williamsons. That would be Dad Dean, a former golfer. Dan. And uh, uh, and then Taylor Williamson, who is a going to be a graduate here pretty soon if they haven't graduated already, right? It might have been yesterday. It might have been yesterday. Uh, but, no, they're taking over as a dual, a co-coaches over at Wyzetta. So, uh, Wyzetta, who already was a powerhouse in in Lakeville, in, in Lake Conference, looking up at Tonke, looking up at Edina, going, how do we beat them? Hey, just take a, a former uh, Hornet and then uh, see what you can do. And they already got a lot of weapons at Wyzetta. They did a lot of things this year with a lot of young girls, they're uh, so, gals. They're so, so young. So they're moving on up to uh, – uh, so it'll be interesting with a father-daughter combo. Lean, mean, Dean. And I really like this Taylor Williamson hire. She's young. She understands the conference. She's as decorated as anyone uh, winning the Miss Hockey Award in 2015 and being a four-year contributor for the University of Minnesota. She's uh, well-known around the area. I like this hire for Wyzetta, which is um, kind of reeling after Christofferson stepped down considering the job that she's done with that group. But they rebounded nicely. Well, and look how, how well Edana's done the last two years where they've gone from – Back-to-backs with, you know. Back-to-back-to-back. Uh, to back. Back-to-back. First two years as a high school coach, and you've taken him to the promised land both times. So uh, I think it's a good time for, like you said, uh, for new faces to get into the in the coaching realm, which is always good. And I think it's positive as a role model. Uh, if you're a gal that plays hockey, <laughs> have a coach that <laughs> played hockey, and that's a gal. So, and um, succeeded really at such a high level. It bugged me more when I was really invested with uh, college basketball, just watching all the, the good – college programs and all you would see is guy 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 <laughs> you get a you get a couple gals like you know pat williams and uh, a couple gals who were been there for years but they're just been there 34 years and they guess what they can't be there all the time yep. they have to change over so uh this may be a good time we've had three good names we just threw out there they're taking over good hard strong uh minnesota programs uh going bigger and better things so be male coaches there's your chant for the day <laughs> All right, uh, so let's let's take a, a step over. We're going to move up to the college level, and this will be a quick one, but still something for, worth us to speak about. And the, the piece we want to throw out there, obviously, is the new legislation within uh, the NCAA with the women's uh, D1 recruiting rules. I'm going to throw a couple out there. These are kind of the things that came through, and this came, became effective as of May 1st. 
So anytime uh, athletes uh, can receive non-recruiting materials from coaches, yada, 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 that's kind of boring. Yada, yada. It is. Uh, the big piece is headed at you. Uh, July 7th through the 31st, before their junior year, uh, college coaches can intentionally, I'm sorry, international, call international college-bound athletes during this time period. And then June 15th, after their sophomore year, coaches can extend verbal offers, making calls and sending all forms of private electronic correspondence, including texts, emails, direct messages, instant messages, etc., etc. Um, you can throw a Snapchat on there if you want to. <laughs> that would that would be <laughs> that would be horrible. Uh, it's possible reaching out to recruits it via Snapchat. Uh, <laughs> and then another piece to throw out there too is also the August first before their junior year, uh, recruits can begin taking official visits to schools. Athletes are also allowed to start arranging unofficial visits with school athletic departments and meet with the coach while on campus. Coaches can begin to have off-campus contact with recruits. So, so that caused some of the committal rush of our 8th and ninth graders in the state of Minnesota. Verbal committal As rush. well as not just us. But trust me, there was a handful of other gals around the country that were going through. There's a, uh, uh, there is, I'm trying to think of the link that I follow. It's, I think it's called. W. Something. W Hockey Commits. Kit Smiths, which is a good one. But again, that's um, like that. a good one to kind of see who's hot and out there and kind of nice one that you see a, a Minnesota gal get some recognition. So, um, so that's the piece. That's the that's the cause for the the rush. And uh, you want to get back up in your soapbox since you wanted to. You're up there before. I cut you off before. No, I'm okay. I'm done with the soapbox. I think it it'll shake itself out as it always does. We can shake ourselves into the pros right now, which is another chance to get on a soapbox. Yes. So on the gal side, on the women's side, I guess now we can call them. They're officially women when they play professional hockey. So they're coming up into their fifth season uh, in the National Women's Hockey League. Uh, the big part still exists. Two big pieces that came out of it: the uh, the Canadian Women's Hockey League folded. Yep. Uh, and then uh, the National Women's Hockey League said, "No problem. We're gonna pair up with some NHL teams, and we're gonna get these two Canadian teams into." Uh, make it a larger league. Uh, but at the same time, uh, some of the gals uh, were feeling they weren't getting representative, which I think they have a lot of reason to be frustrated because obviously with the women's game as compared with the men's game, uh, it's still the big piece of the benefits uh, besides the obvious, which is uh, pay is not that great, low, uh, the travel is not as uh, Health insurance. They're paying for their own health insurance, paying for their own equipment. I'm a professional hockey player, and I have to pay for my own insurance. So um, I don't know how many good health insurance plans say <laughs> you're you're liable and maybe susceptible to a concussion on your job. I don't know if this is a good time to, to sponsor you. Um, Speaking but, of a good time, this is also isn't a good time as uh, a couple of comments have been made that the NHL should get behind the NWHL the same way that the NBA got behind the WNBA. The NHL is expanding to 32 teams right now. I feel like backing the NWHL is pretty low on Bettman's list of priorities, whether that's uh, for better or for worse. And I don't know if the NWHL wants to be seen as being saved by the NHL financially or otherwise. I think they want to I, – I, I can't speak for them, but I'm guessing they would like to – do it on their own and be successful. WNBA has done it. I mean, that's obviously they've had the backbone and some financial support from the the W. Uh, I'm sorry, the NBA, and they are what close to 20 years now. Is that sound right? It's got to be around 20. I think it's around 20. They've been around. So I mean, and kudos to the NWHL. Um, 
five years is a, is a great uh, part to be there. Um, one frustrating thing, obviously, was that with all this going on, and so and just on Monday was when more than 200 women of these professional players they took their next step because they were looking, we need more representation. So uh, what they did is they formed a players association called the Professional Women's Hockey Association uh, that incorporates basically you know, all, all the attorney stuff, but basically they're, they want that player association to speak for them so they can work on getting uh, their pay, obviously, at a higher rate, um, getting that travel a little, little more luxurious, and then, of course, the, pay, the health insurance was a big piece. Uh, there's a couple of people that we know that have got immediate ties to the white caps and mm -hmm. uh, there's some frustrations that they, they voice with us. So, and I think you know, those, those frustrations are absolutely valid. The league said that they're going to investigate a 50, 50 revenue split from league level sponsorships and media rights deals. Who has the media rights? That'll be key for infusing cash and visibility. I mean, what is, does ESPN have the WNBA rights? Does uh, ESPN broadcast those games? games uh, I'm not sure what the summer's going to be like, but they were so, showing them all last year. I mean, we'll see if NBC Sports Network, which is uh, essentially the premier uh, media rights holder for the NHL, we'll see if they jump in on the NWHL. So I think part of it, too, is just has to, there's, there's just has to be some kind of TV deal out there because um, there's other small... Uh, or, a or a streaming deal. Or a streaming deal to help them. Yeah, because I think right now, TV deal, if you say TV deal... That may not work, but a streaming deal, that's where we are right now. You know, that's where we are in our broadcast, in a sense. I mean, even on the youth side, you're going to watch it on TV? No, you're going to stream it from a website. Right. So um, is anybody going to get cable? No. Are you going to Netflix? Oh, heck yeah. If I was the NWHL, I would look seriously at a streaming-only option. That's a great idea. Thank you. That's good. So <laughs> hopefully um, we're going the right direction. I know that the big piece, obviously, is they talked about – getting some of, I won't say demands because I think that's a rash way to say it, but they're just looking at equal stuff and getting more opportunities and getting health insurance and all the pay. Um, otherwise, there may not be a season five. So as players, you have to you have to hold that over the league's head uh, to get what you need. So and that's just, you know, I, th I think every th I don't care whether it's sports or politics or uh, small, what's the word I'm thinking, um, there's something you believe in very highly. You're willing to sacrifice something for the bigger of the cause to, to, to get progressively stronger and reach an ultimate goal. And this is just one of those things I think that you have to do. Uh, I also think if you're going to call it a sacrifice, you get into the nitty gritty of what constitutes a sacrifice. I mean, holding down a traditional nine to five Monday to Friday job and then trying to play professional women's hockey to the best of your ability. Oh my gosh, that's not a sacrifice. That's friggin' emotional and, stability not suicide but pfft. well even in part of it too it was the 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 person that we know that has connection with the caps uh that was part of it too it was like the practice facility was good but then also awesome practice times and they want kind of hoping the same thing that the nhl gets the wild gets you know with, yeah. with staff and training facilities and uh, all the amenities that go with it so um i mean it's a it's an odyssey that they're embarking on so we'll see how that all shakes out. Yes. We'll We're shaking out a lot today. Right. Well, as much as you wanted to hear some ranting and raving, this show is full of ranting and raving. <laughs> um, as of today, we have one of the most controversial, can I say that, uh, issues that popped up within the Her Ice history. Realm. Uh, we'll cut right to the chase. So uh, currently what happened is uh, within Minnesota, with the, in the Mayak, 
um, uh, the St. Thomas, uh, Thomas University was basically uh, voluntarily, no better words, kicked out of the Mayak. Uh, <laughs> involuntarily reasons. leaving. Um, and so, oh, I think it was officially titled involuntarily uh, asked to leave the Mayak. They can stay as a, a, a member of the Mayak, a strong member, until I think the spring of 2021. 2021. So they get two um, years so left. Why is that fog the cage? Because there's a lot of people that are frustrated stupid. with it, uh, as Peter's going to rant and rave about they are a good program, a Mind you, it's a college, but, again, some of these colleges are, are looked at as how many championships do they have, what's their success of athletics, um, not the uh, graduation rate. But, Peter, why don't you like St. Thomas being voluntarily kicked? Because we're punishing a program for becoming good. I mean, it, and St. Thomas isn't exactly Alabama. They have zero national titles in football, zero in hockey, two in basketball. That hardly says to me that they need to be eliminated from a league because of their athletic prowess. Uh, and I spare me the, well, their enrollment's bigger than the Mayak. The Glenn Crusoe's not wandering into a chemistry lab at St. Thomas and finding football players. College athletics is about recruiting. If you don't recruit good players, you're not going to have a good team. So get better at recruiting. If you're Gustavus or you're St. Olaf, take a look at who the recruiting coordinator is for St. Thomas, who the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, the O-line coach, the D-line coach, whoever, and hire them. And if you don't want to make a financial uh, contribution to your athletic program, then be okay not being a very good athletic program. It's about what is prioritized at the university. St. Thomas has the luxury of prioritizing both academics and and athletics financially, and school, and what's what's the other word? I can't even think of the other word. I'm so flustered right now. He's flustered. Let me go from my side of it, which is it's, it's more from like I look at it as a youth side of it. Uh, I can see where, you know, you talk about other programs are going on, and you talk about St. – they say, oh, you know, we're going to go to St. Thomas. You go to St. Thomas. You go to St. Thomas. And it's a very popular school here in the metropolitan area, which I totally get it. Mm-hmm. There's other things you can go to. You want to go to Gustavus for a certain thing. You want to go to St. Ole. You want to go to St. John's, St. Ben's. But when you say St. Thomas, you, it's, it's like saying Alabama, where they have their pick and choose of anybody they want. You know, and I think part of it, too, is this: everybody else in the Mayak, they want to have that equal playing field, where they feel that St. Thomas, with a larger number of candidates to pick from, they can pick the – they can be picky, where other schools may not have the pickiness. I compare that with, say, you know, in Eden Prairie or uh, Edina with the youth programs. Their numbers are so freaking huge that they have so many kids to pick from where other associations, which are close by and next door cities, they basically say, this is what we have. We can't pick what we have, but this is what we have to work with. So the numbers are – that's what throws you off. And then I've read a couple of things with enrollment, and I know you don't like that, that argument. Nope, I hate that argument. You have to have the enrollment numbers. And face it, the, the Mayak's probably looking at it like, I'm sick and tired of – St. Thomas always beating us, beating us, beating us. They get then get better. Path. This is college athletics. If you can't get over the wall, how are you going to help it? I don't know. Build a ladder. you got to pick a bill. Or hire the guy who built the wall so they can build another wall. I, it's We're lowering the bar so There's much for schools that aren't I'm good. I'm trying to grab Johnny or Susie as a coach or an athletic director or a coordinator from St. Thomas, what is holding them back from leaving the purple and coming someplace else within that organ- within Minnesota to see if they can try to build a program up to a St. Thomas? I'm not saying St. Thomas 
pushes their bar down, it's just tough for everybody to get up to where that bar that St. Thomas has. Right well, now. that's why I said then you have to make a financial commitment to it. If you're going to pay a coach from St. Thomas, then you have to pay a coach from a St. Thomas or from another dominant program. And if you're not willing to do that, then accept the fact that you are not going to have a quality athletic program. And if you're okay with that, then be okay with that. Be good at what you're good at. Some of these other Mayak schools are, Carleton is an academic leader uh, in the world. So be okay with that. Be okay with the fact that your football team is not any good, but your academics are among the best in the country. So you know this, I know football is the driving force of this whole thing because everybody's sick of St. Thomas. Just ridiculous. St. Thomas, St. Thomas, St. Thomas in football. But, you know, if they're double employment, I mean, double enrollment, that means they're getting twice as much money, for example, intuition and that's more money put into school so maybe they do have the higher resources then get better at recruiting it's students not just a football you gotta be you gotta look at all the sports i saw for example last week there was a tweet or a story that came up about nebraska looking at going d1 hockey and the ad basically was saying hey we love it we're we love hockey we want to bring it in but we just can't do it right now because of where we are with the budget and with the other other programs we have so I know football is going to be the driving force behind this, but you got to think that they have to look at all the particular sports. I'm sure one or two of them are excelling. Augsburg used to be a dominant force when it came to wrestling. I'm pretty sure St. Thomas wasn't talked about in the wrestling mat whatsoever. But that one sport is not a money-making sport, and that's not going to have any drive about, hey, St. Thomas is awesome here. It's got to be, is it basketball? Is it football? Is it baseball? Is it all the big sports which are pushing St. Thomas ahead of everybody else who just – stomping them down. So I think they're just trying to level the playing field. The only valid truth that I'm getting out of all of this is don't get good. Don't get good because then we're going to force you to leave the conference. I think they just want other opportunities for other teams to have success as opposed to like... Well, those opportunities are out there, though. They're out there. They're out there. Get a good coach. Get a good recruiter. They're not going to move. They, they, they can't move. So they Cozy up to your alums and donors. If the resources aren't there, they can't get any more. Maybe they're strapped. What they yeah, got. but you can't tell me that St. Olaf or Gustavus or Hamlin doesn't have a well-heeled donor that they could say, okay, we need to make a commitment financially to our athletic department. Would you be open to giving? That's how Division One schools do it. Division Three schools still have an alumni pool. It's not as big as the Division One schools, but the D3 schools still have pockets that they can slip their hand into and borrow some money for a new football complex. Oh, sure. Yeah. Maybe St. Thomas just has a bigger alumni group than the Carltons or the uh, St. John's has a great and St. Ben's have a great alumni, but they may not have. Sure, but we're not going to force Michigan from the Big Ten because they have the biggest alumni base. No. Usually you'll see on the other side of you, you'll see a squad that's like, uh, we're sick of getting our butt kicked, so we're out of here. High school does it all the time. They're like, you know what? We cannot be in the late conference because I'm sick of getting my butt kicked <laughs> every year in swimming. <laughs> my kids drowning in the pool because they cannot compete with the other big dogs. When do we get to change districts, classes? It takes some time. Oh. So this is something to definitely come back and see what the revocation is. So yeah, well, two, two, two more game. years of the Tommy's Tommy football team kicking the living crap out of the rest of the conference. They're back right now. But, moving know, on. Moving on. But hey, we'll see what happens in a couple years. All right. Uh, we're getting close to our time, uh, <gasps> but we have to get to one of our favorite segments, which is called Three Questions. So it's three questions we ask of Mr. Peter. Trace questions. It could be anything, so we're going to punch right away. Since we are in the spirit of the Stanley Cup, which now is officially between the St. Louis Blues 
has nobody from Minnesota, and <laughs> Boston Bruins, who has three, but one's actually a playing, even though he's 107 and probably plays on fourth line. I've <laughs> uh, Peter, who do you like in the Stanley Cup? I like Boston because God has a sick sense of humor and likes to give the Boston area championship after championship. Oh, I'll be cheering for the Blues, but Thank I think you. the Bruins are going to win. I, I am cheering for the Blues, but I think the Blues have got actually a pretty good case. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I've been lucky enough to watch it. Watch it. Tuka Rask is probably one of the hottest goalies right now. Binghamton's okay, and it comes down to goalies. Uh, I think Rask, I think Boston won seven in a row because they won three of the last round, and then they swept Carolina. So they're coming in the hottest, but they've also been sitting in the butt for a week. So that could get rid of their mojo. They'll heal up, and it's going to be whether goaltending and the top line of Boston can be stopped. If the if the Blues don't win, my dream scenario would be Brad Marchand scoring an overtime game winner in Game 7. Wow. At the Garden. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, that's a good one. So we'll see. All right, question number two. Since we are getting close to the springtime, Peter, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? That's not a fair question. But if I have to pick one, I'm going to pick a Talenti Gelato Layer, the uh, Salted Caramel Truffle. Don't laugh at me. Always eccentric. There's no quinoa there, but or the or the German chocolate from Connie's Creamy Cone, located conveniently in Coma Park, Minnesota. Oh, Coma Park, St. Paul. So you're saying that is your number one go-to ice cream place if you have a chance? Hell yeah. Okay, I'll take it. We do have a little place uh, here uh, called Scoops right here in Bloomington, Minnesota, which has got wonderful. Of course, it's Kemp's and uh, ice cream, but it still tastes wonderful. We love it. They even have a thing where they open up at 11 o'clock on 11 o'clock at night on opening night, and kids come down there until midnight to get ice, their first ice cream of the season. Those kids should be in bed. No, it's a Saturday night. It's party time, USA. <laughs> All right, question number three. Do you have any investment or interest in the Premier Lacrosse League? No. Starting in June? No. Do you even know what it is? No. <laughs> NCAA men's and women's Division One lacrosse. Oh, that is fun to watch. So Johns Hopkins versus Syracuse. I'll watch that. I, I do not care about professional lacrosse. Be. Penn State's number one, which is crazy. No. That Penn State, that's right. Boo. Penn State, Virginia. Uh, who else is in it? Uh, some other big ones. Uh, Duke is also in the, t- the final four. Johns Hopkins used to be so good. Here's a, good, here's a cool thing. I'm a, this is a teaching opportunity for the PLL. So not only do they have six organizations that are called clubs, but that based in cities. Mm. For example, it's the Atlas Lacrosse Club and Redwoods Lacrosse Club. That's got to be from California. They're basically doing it in a premier soccer style. So they're going, like the first weekend is going to be in Boston at, I think, Foxborough. Oh. They're going to play three games. There's six teams. They're going to play three games at that site. So it's a traveling game. circus with a lacrosse game. Yes. Mm. Okay. So it's intriguing. Some of the best lacrosse players. It obviously, it's going to try to go against Major League uh, Lacrosse, uh, which is the other good outdoor one. Uh, but anyway. So the PLL sponsored by Barnum & Bailey. Uh, well, big piece, too, and that kind of goes to your National Women's Hockey League where uh, the reason they're able to make this happen is not only they have investments, but they also have a TV deal with NBC, SN, where they're going to broadcast their games. Ooh, so there's some financial okay. backing, which, of course, when you know, you're just doing that traveling, it could be a little expensive as opposed to going from Boston to wherever, but one site every weekend, everybody's there, party time USA. Killer. All, All right, wrap us up. Take us home. Wrap it up. All right, well, uh, I hope everybody's had a good time. We have missed you guys, so uh, we're going to do one per month for the rest of the summer until we get back into September. 
So this is our first spring slash summer. So I'd like to thank Peter attitude, insight, comments. Uh, but his research and analysis is always top-notch. Uh, this is Todd Hulk speaking. Uh, we'd like to thank you again for listening to Her Ice because... It's not his ice! No. Get out of here. Take care of yourself and each other. We'll talk to you next time. Used to keep it cool. Used to be a fool. All about the bounce in my step. Watch it on the news. What you gonna do? I could hit refresh and forget. Used to keep it cool.